All right. So um, last week, uh, as Tim said, we were uh, looking at um, a definition of respectable sins and a pretty dark picture of what what sin does um, in the lives of unbelievers and believers. Um, This... uh, we faced up to the truth was the title of session one, and um, we discussed facing up to the truth in, in three areas. Our identity, um, so we, we talked about our identity as saints, that's what the Bible calls us as believers, but um, we all know the experience of the Christian life, that we are um, still those who are encased in, in flesh, who still... Um, battle indwelling sin and so uh, we're saints who still struggle with sin then we talked about the disappearance of sin and just the need for for a biblical definition Um, we have to define sin biblically or else we'll fall into the the mindset of our culture which has erased the concept of sin Um, and then lastly we talked about the malignancy of sin um, that sin is a heinous despising of God and his holy standard. Sorry, well, I to get no? Yeah, no problem. Thank <laughs> you. Great. And uh, for the unbeliever, the unrepentant, uh, the end is eternal death. Um, that's what sin does. And uh, believers, while we've died to sin, as we've been learning in Romans 6, um, the unredeemed flesh still lives. Sin in the lives of believers is destructive, and its malignancy can be seen in this, that Christ suffered for our sins. So this week, we're going to turn to a more hopeful message that for believers, there is a remedy for sin. And we can look at the example of the Apostle Paul, who was an exemplary saint. And um, we'll just look at the the posture of this saint as we see in his uh, epistles how he identified himself. Um, First of all, from our perspective, um, Paul was apostle to the Gentiles, missionary par excellence, author of much of our New Testament, a man who who poured himself out in devotion and service to Christ. But uh, how did he view himself? Well, we can go back to the the passage that Tuck preached to us a couple weeks ago. Open your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 1, and uh, we'll start in verse 12. 1 Timothy chapter 1, beginning in verse 12. Uh, We see... Right off the bat, Paul giving thanks, which uh, wouldn't, shouldn't be a surprise uh, for us uh, based on what, what Tim has been teaching us. But he says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, putting me into service, even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor. Yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was more abundant with the faith and love which are found in Christ Jesus. It is a trustworthy statement deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. 
Yet for this reason I found mercy, so that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. So Paul uh, still views himself as foremost of all sinners, even though we would say he's the the epitome of a mature believer. He is um, uh, somebody we we look up to as an exemplary saint, um, but he never got over what Christ had saved him from. He was formerly a blasphemer, a, pers- a persecutor, a, a violent aggressor. Um, so he sees himself, even in his present state, being redeemed as, as a foremost of all sinners. I'm just going to read a couple more passages uh, where Paul describes himself. You could go to passages like Ephesians 3, 7, and 8. Um, where it says, uh, Paul was made a minister of the gospel according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me according to the working of his power. To me, the very least of all saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ. Or you could again go to 1 Corinthians 15, 9 and 10. Here Paul says, For I am the least of the apostles, and not fit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me did not prove vain. This is not a a false humility uh, in the life of Paul, but rather um, it's, it's true humility born out of a right view of God and a right view of himself. He knew what he had been saved from and the ministry he had been empowered to do, and that brought him low uh, before the Lord. And as we know from Scripture, God is inclined to show grace through the gospel to those who have this accurate self-assessment. God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. Paul was certainly a, a godly man with a long, fruitful ministry, blessed by the Lord, He was faithful and spiritually mature, but this growth seemed to make him even more aware of and sensitive to the sin that still dwelled in him. I don't know if you've had this experience, but um, often as you talk to those saints who are um, walking closely with the Lord, you you get that sense from them. Uh, Like I related to last week, uh, a man like Jerry Bridges calling a friend to pray for him because he had become sinfully anxious at the baggage claim, and and he took that sin seriously. So um, this is is something you see in in people, mature people who have walked with God for a long time. They sense their sin even more um, acutely. And if you and I are going to make progress in, in our fight against these respectable sins, uh, we must have the same attitude and follow Paul's example. And that brings us to uh, the remedy for sin. I'm going to quote uh, Jerry Bridges here, uh, an excerpt from his his book. Um, This is where he's going with the remedy for our sin. He says, the remedy for our sin, whether scandalous or acceptable, is the gospel in its widest scope. The gospel is actually a message. Here I am using the word gospel as a shorthand expression for the entire work of Christ and his historic life, death, and resurrection for us, and his present work in us through his Holy Spirit. 
When I say the gospel in its widest scope, I am referring to the fact that Christ, in his work for us and in us, saves us not only from the penalty of sin, but also from its dominion or reigning power in our lives. The gospel is the remedy for sin, both scandalous and respectable. The gospel, this good news, is is only for sinners. We saw that in the passage we just read. 1 Timothy 1.15 says, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. We're saints, that is true. But we are saints that still sin. And the New Testament assumes this because it gives commands and instructions to abstain from sin. If we were not still sinners, the New Testament would be much more uh, brief. Um, We heard again this morning um, in the scripture reading from uh, 2 Timothy 3 that scripture is profitable for reproof and correction. Sinning believers uh, need reproof and correction so that we go to God's word to see where we have sinned and how to get back on the path uh, of godly living. So uh, we must then meditate on the gospel daily. And this is going to help us in several areas. It's going to help us to plow the ground of our hearts so that we can more accurately see our sin. It has been said that the the only thing we contributed to our salvation was the sin that made it necessary. And last week we said the, the malignancy of sin is seen in the horror of the cross of Christ. He suffered and died for our sins. Uh, This truth lays us low, and it humbles us to be able to receive the good news of the gospel afresh. Meditating on the gospel daily is is also going to help us, um, help to free us to face sin by giving us the assurance that we are forgiven. After we have admitted that we are great sinners, uh, the gospel truth that we have a great Savior fuels our fight against sin. Uh, Listen to what Bridges says. If I believe that God still counts my guilt against me, my instinctive sense of self-protection forbids me to acknowledge my sin and guilt, or at the least, I seek to minimize it. This is why a lack of assurance will will make the fight against sin seem impossible. I know, I've, I've, I've been there. If you are entangled in sin, you will have no assurance of salvation and no joy in your Christian walk. Uh, the cancer of sin grows, and you believe lies about God and his character and what Christ has done on your behalf. You try to self-atone. You are sinfully fearful, so you don't ask for help in the church. And I know I'm speaking mainly to believers here this morning, but if if this describes you and you lack assurance, I I would encourage you just to tell uh, a more mature Christian friend, um, a small group leader, um, a leader in this class, a pastor, tell someone. Um, The ministry of the church is to help those who are caught in the trap of sin. And there are those here in the church that Uh, can help point you to Christ and the good news that he has accomplished of what he has accomplished on your behalf. Um, I was listening to a a sermon by John Piper, and he said that um, of all his years in the pulpit, 
this was the issue that was uh, most brought up after sermons. When people would come up and talk to him after he preached, this was um, uh, the most common thing that people wanted to talk to him about was the assurance of their salvation. So um, I know it's a, it's a common struggle, but um, it is uh, the birthright of every believer to, to be assured of what Christ has done and to live in that truth. Meditating on the gospel daily is also going to help motivate and energize us to deal with our sin. It's encouragement since God in Jesus Christ has dealt with my guilt uh, before God. I am assured that he is for me and not against me. You can find that in Romans 8.31. And it also... um, Meditating on the gospel will produce gratitude. It produces thanksgiving for what he has done and what he will continue to do through the gospel. Open it up to you guys. What are some methods that that you have used to make meditation on the gospel a a daily habit? This is something we we must do. Um, How how do we do that? What, what What do you guys think? What are some ideas? How are you putting this into practice in your daily life? Another term that's sometimes used is preaching the gospel to yourself. How, how do you do that? One thing that helps me is um, there's this book I read that Chet Walker gave me a while back. It was called Total Truth. Mm-hmm. And she talked about the idea that the gospel informs every area of life. And uh, <clears throat> like Abraham Kuyper said, that every square inch of life Christ is a part of. So not one thing that helps me is not separating Christ from work or political opinion or that Christ informs every area of my life. And so I work not just to please Caleb or the customer. I work to please Christ and that helps to remind me of like the work of Christ and how that's actually changed my entire life not just it's not just the reason I go to church but the reason that I also go to work or that I do vote or that I do uh, contribute to that realm and that's the bottom line of life is that Christ informs everything yeah that's good others ways you're preaching the gospel to yourself good others yeah Paul just a you know, real practical thing uh, I know from Matt's seen me through the years it's just the first thing in the morning 
talking about getting some time to meditate on the word, to preach the gospel to yourself. I, I haven't really ever used that terminology mm-hmm. before, but just meditating, mm-hmm. you know, you've got to carve out that space and that time. And now us as retired folks, it's a lot easier than when we had little children like y'all, many of y'all do, and you know, or work, or work, uh, those kind of things where you've got to really, you know, focus on managing, and you get that time alone uh, where it's quiet and uh, you, know, you can reflect and God can really speak to your heart. Mm-hmm. So it's a battle, mm-hmm. and uh, so. Yes. Just to quickly carry off of that in the busyness that Mark is talking about for other families, mm-hmm. which a lot of us are in, you know, Laura and I have just kind of resigned to taking bite sizes of mm-hmm. our lives throughout the week. I'm yeah. not going to say, you know, what works for us works for everybody, but I think it's, we have found wisdom in picking days mm-hmm. to focus on certain things, even if it's just one day that is for Evie, you know, one of our daughters. Mm-hmm just for Laura and I, and making bite sizes of our lives, it helps us to make sure that that daily meditation happens versus, yeah. well, how am I going to pray for all of these things? Well, in actuality, you're probably not going to, yeah. but can you daily meditate and press the gospel through parts of your life? Yeah. So making it manageable, as Mark was saying, it's, it's hard, but it's doable if you take smaller bites. Yeah. Yes, Tim? When it comes to meditating on the gospel, preaching the gospel to ourselves, like I wake up disoriented. And I don't mean just <laughs> looking for the coffee maker. I mean like I'm not my worldview is skewed. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not yeah. thinking biblically. And yeah. so like if I'm gonna be useful to the Lord or honoring to him, like the first thing I have to do, I'm just I guess that pathetic, but the first thing I have to do is like just sit down and remind myself the truth in the gospels of the core of them, right? Yeah, right. Who am I, who's the Lord, what he's done to redeem me? what he expects of me now, yeah. and then pray in light of that. And so I just find that first thing in the morning is like the time when I have to do that. But then throughout the day, particularly when I find myself in sin, right, getting mm-hmm. angry about something in my yeah. heart, like the gospels will be come back to in those moments. That's yeah. not just, remind myself my forgiveness isn't just for when I was first converted. It's like the first step to begin to deal with that sin in my heart. Yeah. So yeah. I find those are two critical times when I'm meditating on the gospel. Yeah. It's good. Thinking about busy young families, um, just verbalizing the gospel, explaining the gospel to a child is rehearsing the gospel. It is preaching it to yourself. And so if you're driving in the car and you've got kids in the car seat, explain the gospel in terms that that child can understand. In that way, you are again hearing hearing the gospel and those those nails are being driven deeper in your own heart as you relate them to your kids. And so yeah, we're we're all busy. How do you redeem that time driving to the grocery store or driving your kids to soccer practice or whatever what, whatever it may be? Use that time to to verbalize gospel truth, sing gospel truth. It's all all ways that we can be um just just leveraging the every moment we have which is given to us by the Lord um to to redeem it. So, it's one idea. Another idea that um, just looking at the uh, Thanksgiving news, that Tim handed out <clears throat> these prayers for Thanksgiving, all the spiritual blessings that that were listed, those are all gospel truths. Those are all 
spiritual blessings. We were spiritually dead prior to God saving us. So any spiritual blessing we have comes to us through the gospel. And so just go down this list. In your prayer of thanksgiving, you're actually preaching the gospel to yourself. Thanking God for the foundational blessing of Christ's death and resurrection. That's the gospel. God's sovereign choice of us. Again, that's the gospel. Um, Forgiveness. Reconciliation. Adoption as God's son. The privilege of being able to pray to God. Assurance that we are right with the Lord. uh, Daily experience of knowing the Lord. The joy and hope that are only possible in Christ. um, The blessings that flow from a transformed life. The blessings of the body of Christ. The church. Those are all gospel truths and so as you pray through that as you pray the prayer of thanksgiving you're preaching the gospel to yourself so i don't want to make this as another to-do list like another thing to tack on oh you know i mean think of think of ways we're already doing this um i was just thinking uh sitting sitting in worship with you all our songs are gospel saturated sing sing songs that are that have gospel truth in them uh, before before the throne of God above, it says, When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, I, upward I look and see him there who made an end of all my sin. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God, the just, is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. So, assemble with God's people at church. I mean... That's one thing I love about this class. You guys are here, you're, you're, you're involved, you're, you're meeting in small groups, you're discipling one another. That's, that's a joy to see. And as we assemble as Christ's church, we are preaching the gospel to each other. As you sang, you were blessing each other with the gospel. Yes. You know, we talk about motivating us to deal with our sin. You know, you had that hymn there, and here's one that just, it's like my, my go-to Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Mm-hmm. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord. Take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Yeah. I mean, that's dealing with sin. Yeah. And uh, you know, that, that, that's such a blessing to be able to recall those. Thanks for sharing that. Amen. Well, Another thing is, is just committing scripture to memory. We go to God's word. Uh, we look at gospel passages and uh, commit those to memory. Um, here's just a few, um, just a, a small sampling. Psalm 103.12, as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Isaiah 53, 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Romans 4, 7 and 8 says, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. And then Romans 1, 8 is, is a, a precious promise for for those that know the Lord. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Chapter 5, going from the remedy of sin, which we know is, is the gospel, we turn to the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit 
empowers us to live a life of holiness and to, to overcome sin. How? How does he, he do that? Well, uh, we were just in, in Romans 6, and this uh, passage teaches us that we have died to sin, uh, Romans 6, verse 2, and we've died with Christ, uh, verse 8, and through our union with Christ in his death, we, we died to sin's guilt and its controlling power in our life, and that work was completed at the moment of our salvation. So Romans six twelve says, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lusts. And although we've died to sin, there's an ongoing war with our unredeemed flesh. Uh, last week we talked about Galatians 5.17. And that text says, For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. So if this is the the daily experience of every Christian, what hope do we have to overcome sin's power in our life? Well, we must live under the controlling influence of the Holy Spirit. And we must rely on his power to overcome sin. Uh, Right before the uh, Galatians 5.17 and Galatians 5.16, Paul says, Walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. What does it mean to walk by the Spirit? What does that mean? How do we walk by the Spirit? Good, good definition. So Tuck mentioned our thoughts. Um, there's the mind renewal that um, comes through meditating on Scripture. Uh, Romans 12 speaks to that. Um, dependent prayer, uh, asking for the Spirit's power and enablement. We talk about the Holy Spirit. This is... Um, Bridges points out that this is actually a a Trinitarian work of God. Uh, The Holy Spirit is from God, 1 Corinthians 6.19. And God grants us power through his Spirit, Ephesians 3.16. The Spirit works to transform us into the likeness of Christ, 2 Corinthians 3.18. So we see that the, the Holy Spirit is, is active in our life and he is um, appropriating what, what Christ has done on our behalf and um, ministering to us in that way. How then does the Holy Spirit work to, to break the power of sin? Well, he's uh, convicting us, convicting us of sin through the scriptures, um, we read that this morning, Second Timothy 3.16, as the scriptures reprove us, show us where we are falling short, where we have um, willfully transgressed um, God's commands. It then corrects us, gets us back on the proper uh, path. His word will inform our consciences so that they um, become sensitive to sin and sound the, sound the alarm when we deviate from the path of godly living. 
and he is enabling us to kill sin. It's by the spirit that we're to put to death the deeds of the body, as it says in in Romans 8.13. So even though the the spirit is at work within us, what what is our part in this? We are to work out our salvation in the knowledge that it is God that's at work in us. Um, Philippians 2, 12 through 13. And the Spirit is also working alone. He's working sovereignly um, to bring about circumstances that strip away our self-dependence, reveal our frailty, and cause us to cry out to God in repentance. Ephesians 4.30 says that we are not to grieve the Holy Spirit of God with our sin. And the thought that... that uh, came to me as as I was studying this was um, this question: What do you think a sovereign, omnipotent God will do about His grief, especially when it concerns one who He loves eternally? I mean, I can be grieved about a wayward child that is living in sin, but I don't have the power to change their life circumstances to bring them to repentance. God has no such limitations. When he is grieved, the Holy Spirit will bring about circumstances in your life that expose your sin and humble you. If you're selfish, uh, he may lead you into a situation in your marriage where that sin gets exposed. Um, If you don't repent, maybe he'll turn up the heat with a... um, a wayward child or a, a, a willful, disobedient child uh, to humble you further. I don't know anything about those things, but I'm just that maybe that maybe that's helpful for you. But uh, <laughs> anyway, the Lord has that at His disposal. He is all powerful and sovereign over the circumstances of our life. So um, He will not let a child go on sinning. Um, he brings discipline. And he brings that through life circumstances and bringing that sin to light. To light. That is a, a sweet grace of what the Lord does, does for us. So here's just a, a few encouragements as we seek the Holy Spirit's help in overcoming respectable sins. First of all, remember Christ. As we said, we go back to the gospel. Um, he has paid the penalty for our sins. Uh, pray. Um, sin is deceitful and deceptive, and we need the help of the Holy Spirit to recognize these sins. And uh, prepare to be humbled. Remember the promises of Jesus from from Matthew 5. Um, He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Um, Those are um, those who know they're spiritually bankrupt before a holy God, lays them low in the dust, and... um, Christ said those, those people are blessed because they um, experience the grace, the grace of God. He also said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Uh, we have Christ's righteousness, and so we uh, hunger and thirst for, for our lives to be conformed to his image, for the um, remaining indwelling sin that is in us to be scrubbed away um, through uh, Meditating on the word, renewing our mind, having the Holy Spirit bring, bring these to light uh, and help us in, in defeating, defeating sin.
So the last um, chapter in this section is, is just going to give some directions uh, for dealing with sin. Again, I commend uh, to you Clay's series. Uh, it dovetails you know, perfectly with this. Um, teaching on Sunday nights on Christian maturity, um, particularly the last couple weeks on fighting by faith to renew your mind. If you um, are not able to, to be here to, um, or if you've not been able to be here to, to hear them on Sunday nights, I just encourage you to download the podcast and listen to them. They're, they're very helpful on this particular topic. Number one, we, we must deal with sin by applying the gospel. Our sins are forgiven in Christ, and we have his perfect record of righteousness before God. Number two, just depending on the Holy Spirit, it is only by his power that we put death uh, to sin, uh, put sin to death in our lives. Our flesh kind of falls back into a, a default setting of self-atonement and uh, trying to, to, to do better, to white-knuckle it, uh, willpower. That's, that's the human answer to sin, and we need to disavow that. Um, that is um, the way of the flesh. So we depend on the Holy Spirit in our fight against sin. Also, we, we must own our responsibility for sin. Pursue every practical means to put sin to death. Um, Bridges kind of coins this term dependent responsibility. You can kind of hear it in this lesson. I'm saying we're dependent on the Holy Spirit, and by the same token, we're responsible um, for our own sin and are responsible to do everything within our power to put it to death. If you're struggling with uh, jealousy and envy, and you drive past a Mercedes-Benz dealership every day that inflames your sin, find another way to work, you know? Uh, if you keep going down that road, it's legitimate to question how hard you are working to put that sin to death in your life. We've got to own uh, responsibility that um, it's in us, and uh, we need to work to put it to death by all practical means. And we've got to get specific. Um, we've got to identify specific uh, sins. Call it what it is. Did you get frustrated? Well, you, you know, you didn't get frustrated. Um, actually, you were sinfully impatient and angry. So um, we like to minimize our sin by putting different labels on them, even using different words. It helps take the edge off it, but it only reveals that we're not willing to take it seriously or to see it as God sees it. Again, memorizing and applying appropriate scriptures. It's going to be um, a powerful tool in our fight against sin. It's, it's not a silver bullet, but it must be applied at opportune times. When we're in danger of being deceived, we have to combat that with God's truth. Psalm 119.11 um, tells us to store up God's word in our heart um, so that in the time of temptation, it can be recalled and um, uh, we can avoid sin. And then uh, cultivating the practice of dependent prayer. This is uh, planned prayer, like uh, Tim was saying, um, first thing in the morning. Um, 
getting our mind right uh, and reoriented to biblical truth. That is planned prayer, um, a time on your calendar. And then it's also spontaneous prayer um, when temptation flares up to, to cry out to God for help in that moment. Um, and then the last um, encouragement in dealing with sin is involving the church. Um, Mark Dever uh, called the church an assurance factory. And I, by that, I think he means that this is where we come to um, fellowship with one another, um, build each other up, um, spur one another on to love and good works, and that builds assurance as we um, confess our sins to one another and, and are helped and discipled uh, towards Christ-likeness and being um, better equipped to put sin to death. That fuels assurance. And so if you're in that previous category I talked about early of, of lacking assurance, um, assemble with the church. Um, the man of Proverbs 18.1 is in a precarious con- condition. Uh, he separates himself, seeking his own desires, and he quarrels against all sound wisdom. And I'm thankful to the Lord for this class, because you guys are not like that. Um, you're here this morning to encourage one another and in our fight against sin, and you spur one another on to those, those good deeds and, and love. So um, involve the church. I've got three minutes left, so um, just in preparation for next week. Next week, we're going to dive into some specific um, acceptable sins. Um, So what can you be doing this week? Um, Spend some time in prayer asking the Holy Spirit to help you identify areas of your life where you have accepted sin and and write down a plan, maybe using some of these uh, these directions um, for how you will deal with those areas of sin. And then share your plan with a trusted friend. Ask them to hold you accountable. I'm going to leave you this morning just with an excerpt from a a letter by Robert Murray McShane. Um, In this letter, he encouraged a friend to look to Christ and the hope of the gospel. He says this, Learn much of your own heart, and when you have learned all you can, remember you have seen but a few yards into a pit that is unfathomable. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Jeremiah 17.9 Learn much of the Lord Jesus. For every look at yourself, take ten looks at Christ. He is altogether lovely. Such infinite majesty and yet such meekness and grace, and all for sinners, even the chief. Live much in the smiles of God. Bask in his beams. Feel his all-seeing eye settled on you in love, and repose in his almighty arms. Cry after divine knowledge and lift up your voice for understanding. Seek her as silver and search for her as for hid treasure, according to the word in Proverbs 2.4. See that verse 10 be fulfilled in you. Let wisdom enter into your hearts and knowledge be pleasant to thy soul. So you will be delivered from the snares mentioned in the following verses. Let your soul be filled with a heart-ravishing sense of the sweetness and the excellency of Christ and all that is in him. Let the Holy Spirit fill every chamber of your heart so there will be no room for folly or the world or Satan or the flesh. 
that's our goal. Amen. Yes. You know, when we when we accept Christ through faith, we enter into union with Christ, mm-hmm. and that union cannot be broken. Mm-hmm. But when we sin, we break fellowship with Christ. Mm-hmm. And First John one nine is our answer to that: mm-hmm. how to restore that fellowship. And just from being older than most of you guys, keeping short accounts is really helpful as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, bring your sins before the Lord. Confess them. All right. Well, let me close this in prayer, and then we'll be dismissed. Lord, we thank you for uh, this time we've had to uh, consider these truths. Lord, thank you for uh, faithful men that have gone before us to, to give us tools like this book, Lord. But we know they're only useful in the extent to which they're faithful to your word. Uh, your holy word is, is perfect. And so we look in, we look into it and we, we see our reflection, Lord, and um, it, is, it is an ugly picture. But thank you for Christ who um, died to um, forgive us of our sins and to empower us to live holy lives. Um, Lord, thank you for his righteous life that is credited to us. Lord, help us this week as we seek to put sin to death that uh, your spirit would help us in this work, help us to be reminded of uh, biblical truth, Lord, and um, help us to remain dependent, Lord. Thank you that you know we're, we're but dust and um, you are our help. So we ask for that this week in Jesus' name. Amen.